0: Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Nahmuduhu wa nasalli ala al-kareem. Amma ba. Alhamdulillah. Tonight is the 28th of December in the year 2023. And alhamdulillah, we've completed the 8th week, the 56th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurala. And I'm now reached the point where I've mentioned that Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu, has been appointed as the second khalif. And also, after the governor of Bahrain, Sayyidina Allah ibn al Hadrami, r.a. passed away to eternal glory Sayyidina Umar r.a. thereupon decided to now appoint Sayyidina Abu Huraira in his place so I mentioned this yesterday that Allah ibn al-Hadrami when he passed away Umar r.a. now thought Abu Huraira was best to take his place as the governor of Bahrain Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he knew only too well what responsibilities this would entail. Hence he was naturally reluctant to take up the post. He didn't want authority. So he himself relates, Sayyidina Umar, who once summoned me to accept a post as governor, but I declined. To which he responded, you do not like an appointment to a post when someone better than you actually asked for it. So I asked, who was that? <laughs> Sayyidina Umar who said, Yusuf Ibn Ya'qub alayhi salatu wa salam. I thereupon responded, Yusuf alayhi salatu wa salam was the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the son of a Prophet alayhi salatu wa salam whilst I Amili Abu Hurairah the son of Umaymah I fear three and I fear two things. Umar said, why did you just say five things? I replied, I fear that I should say something without knowledge. Pass wrong judgment thus have my back lashed and have my wealth taken away and thus my reputation tarnished so let's look at this so this is recorded in Ibn al in his tabaqat volume 4 page 59 al Al-Isaba, volume 4 page 241 Abu Naim al-Hilya volume 1 page 380 Abu Musa in his Dale, Hayat al-Sa'aba volume 2 page 450 to one of the new English translation so he's now been called by Amir al-Mu'minin he goes you're the governor so he didn't want to be governor he was Amir al-Mu'minin please he goes don't put that <coughs> burden upon me so why did they not want governorship, why were they frightened of authority, because there's many reasons the Prophet said whoever does not want authority and he's forced into it Allah the Almighty and Glorious appoints an angel to help him. but if he desires, he's left to himself so one obvious reason is they didn't want they wanted the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they didn't want authority they just want to live a simple life. Mm-hmm. So Umar radiya anhu he said something very interesting. He said that's strange you don't want authority when someone better than you asks for it. Mm-hmm. So he said two things. He goes somebody better than you took authority not only that he actually asked for it. So when he asked, who was this? He goes, Yusuf the son of Ya'qub. So what was that in reference to? Alayhi salatu Wasalam? So Yusuf alayhi salatu Wasalam, the narrative is in the Quran. He was in prison. And of course, he was innocent. He was accused of doing certain things, but he was innocent. When he was eventually found to be innocent, Ya yeah, uh, Yusuf Alayhi Salatu The king told somebody to bring him. So when Yusuf Alayhi Salatu came after his name was cleared, he took Yusuf Alayhi Salatu Wassalam into a position of authority. And Yusuf Alayhi Salatu actually asked. He was, "Let me be in charge of the grain." So why did he ask? When the Hadith says, "Those who ask are left to it themselves." Because there is an exception to the rule. And that is if a person believes that nobody else can take the role except himself. Mm -hmm. And if he does not step up, the people will suffer. Mm -hmm. Because of that, Yusuf a.s. asked for the role. So this is the background. So Umar r.a. said, somebody better than you not only became a kind of a governor, he asked for it. So Abu Huraira, he just very humbly replied to this. He goes, "How can you compare me to Yusuf salatu wasallam?" He goes, "He's a prophet. He's the son of a prophet." He goes, "I'm Abu Huraira, the son of Umayma. In other words, he goes, "You can't compare me to a prophet, Miral mubiri Then he said, that "This shows his, you know, his, his brilliance." He goes, "I fear three things, and I fear two things." <laughs> So it was strange, why didn't he just say five things? So Umar goes, why didn't he just say five things? And what's interesting, he didn't mention the other two, he only mentioned three. He goes, this is what I fear, if you appoint me a governor. The first, I fear I would speak without knowledge, meaning when a person's in authority, people come to him and they ask him all the time, what about this, what about that, what about this? He goes, I might say something without knowledge. The second, I may then pass a wrong judgment and then get my bike whipped I by you. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, I fear that my wealth will be taken away as well. Mm-hmm. And because of this, my um, reputation will be tarnished. actually mentioned North Viking, it? Did he? Yeah. Because he's linked the two. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll come to that inshallah. <laughs> However, the Amir al-Mu'mineen, he was adamant and he reluctantly, Abu Huraira, took up the post. So, Abu Huraira was basically trying to get out, but Abu Umar Umar said, No, you're going. Thus, from being a carefree muazzin of that blessed land, he was now thrust into the role of being the governor. <laughs> so, think about that. You know, he looked just doing his worship, keeping to himself. All of a sudden, he's now governor. <laughs> subhanallah after performing his task most admirably for some time he was suddenly summoned back to the capital so his governor i think his stay was about a year or so and suddenly he goes you're wanted back at the capital so what happened hafiz zahri in his siyad 2 612 with a sahih channel transmission muhammad ibn sirin rahmatullahi he said Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu handled Abu Hurairah the governorship of Bahrain. Later Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu came to Amir al-Mu'mineen with 10,000 dinars. Umar radiyallahu was furious. He goes, Oh enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his book, you took possession of this money. Abu Hurairah calmly replied radiyallahu, I am neither the enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nor am I the enemy of his book, but I am the enemy of the one who makes enmity against them. So Umar Anhu said, where did you get this money from? Abu Hurairah answered I got this wealth by breeding my horses, my laborers, and by receiving gifts. They then examined his claim. Umar goes, I'm gonna find out. <laughs> and he made investigations, and subhanAllah, it was proved to the very letter what Abu Hurairah had said, Radiyullah. Umar Radiy then asked him to take up his post once more, he goes, Go back now, Governor. <laughs> but Abu Hurairah declined, he goes, Please Amir al Mu'minin. <laughs> and he reminded the Amir al Mu'minin of what he had said one year earlier. It had come true, <laughs> so look how amazing. What was one of the things he said? I fear that my wealth is going to be taken away and my reputation's gonna get tarnished. And Umar the other one goes, Go, he knew that was gonna happen. He knew Umar that he had lots so what happened. So, obviously, there's no harm in a governor doing some business. In the day, what's wrong with that? So, he says, Look, I've got 10,000, and he brought it. He knew Umar did ask, so he goes, I'll bring it to you. 10,000 gold coins. So Umar was thinking, Taqfil Allah. He goes, You enemy of Allah. He goes, Where did you get this money from? And he says, I'm not the enemy of Allah. I'm not the enemy of His book. I'm the enemy of the one who's enemies to them. He then said, Horses. He was fond of horses. And he goes, I breed horses, make some money of this. My label is, in other words, people work for me. I get a share of their their profit, and also I receive gifts <laughs> because I don't ask for anything. Rasulullah says, "Take it. if you." He goes, "If nobody asks, you take it." So Umar goes, "We're gonna find out." <laughs> Imagine <laughs> full investigation. Abu Hurairah is still in Medina thinking, "You know what's happening." <laughs> and then when they came back, it was absolutely 100 percent, all above board. So Umar goes, "Go back." <laughs> he goes, "The middle, Mumineen, That's it, and he says, "Look." I told you. Mm. And one of the things I mentioned was, you're going to take my wealth and my reputation is going to be tarnished. And what happened? Adding details, it mentions. When he had made a small amount of wealth by trade during his period in office, Umar summoned him for investigation. Mm. He was found guiltless. And Umar requested him return. But Abu Huraira declined. because that is enough for me as governor, Amir al I fulfill your wish. Now please fulfill mine. <laughs> this is in Ibn Sa'd in his Tabakat 4-3-3-5. Hafiz Ibn al A'tir in his Asad al Ghaba 6 6-3-2-1. Ali Isaba 4-2-1-0 in Uddis. This time Amir al-Mu'mineen except. So look how beautiful. He got out of it. <laughs> and he did it in that brilliant way. When he separated what he said. He goes, Why didn't you just say five things? <laughs> and he wanted him to remember. He goes, one of the things. And he goes, please... I have fulfilled your wish because you forced me into it. Because hmm. I've listened, I've obeyed. Now please accept my plea. Hmm. And Omar then goes, Okay. Hmm. Meaning, he goes, i say, I'm done with this. So now, why was he so reluctant to be a governor? There's other reasons. Hmm. Sayyidina Abu Huraira's reluctance anh, was due to what he himself heard from Rasulullah. What did he hear? Allah You will be eager for the office of governorship. But it will become a cause of regret on the day of resurrection. Mm-hmm. It is a good sukla, but a bad weena. Mm-hmm. In Sahih Bukhari, al Malam, number 1190. So, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? Because You're going to be eager. That yeah. was interesting. Was he talking about the Sa'ab? No. Mm-hmm. They didn't want governorship. <laughs> as soon as they got governorship, because that's when the headache starts. Mm-hmm. So, who was he talking about? He's talking about the Muslims. He goes. This is not a good thing that you desire to for authority. Then he says, "But you're going to regret it on the day of judgment." Then he says something very interesting. Subhanallah. So, it is a good suckler, but it is a bad weener. Now, what does that mean? What it means is a child, when it's suckling, is blooming. it. You know, just suckling away, mashallah, everything's coming sweet. But then there's a time of weaning. And what happens? The mother takes the child away from the breast. Mm-hmm. And how does the child respond to that? badly, mm-hmm. Right? You know, and he starts crying. Then he goes, no, no, you got to stop it, you got to take it away from the breast. So why did the Prophet say that is like the person who desires governorship? Because when you are governor, you're suckling everything's going sweet. But then you get the Day of Judgment. Then you get away from it and then you go, oh my God. So he goes, why do you want to weep? Why do you want grief? Mm. In fact, one of the companions, one of the senior companions, Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, radiyallahu in Sayyid Muslim. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, why don't you appoint me to authority? Mm. He, ask, he ask for it. Mm. So Umar, uh, the Prophet sallam, said, Oh Abu Dharr radiyallahu, you are weak. And I look for you what I love for myself. Do not even look after the property of an orphan. One reports and the wording changes slightly, another reports. So think about that. What's the first thing the Prophet said, you're weak. Now does does that mean that he was weak? No, it meant for authority he didn't have the requisite, you know, skills. <laughs> Because he wasn't fit to lead. So the Prophet said, You're weak. In other words, this isn't your role. Then he said, I love for you what I love for myself. Meaning, even if you had, he goes, I wouldn't want to give you authority. Because I don't want authority myself. Then he said, Don't even look after the orphan's property. In other words, don't have. Why? Because once you become an amir, because you're responsible for others. Why do you want this headache? The Lord, they didn't want authority. And if you look at the Khilaf al Rashidin, they were forced into it. You'll notice this. Abu Bakr gets hold of Umar Abu Ubaidah's hunt. They twisted it upon him. Umar goes, I don't want Khilafat. Abu Bakr goes, but Khilafat needs you. Then there was a mashura for the six, and then it came to Uthman. And when Uthman was martyred, Ali goes, I don't want nothing to do with it. And he was forced into it. And there's the beauty of the Khilaf al Rashidin. But anybody who wanted it, there's where the trouble started coming. Why? Because they were left to themselves. So, not here, Abu Hurairah, he didn't want governorship, but he was made governor. Indeed, let alone being a governor, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, he wished in his heart to be a slave. <laughs> so, the guy strange. You got the governor, head of the, you know, Everybody turns to him, and you got a slave. A slave is like in the lowest ranks in terms of authority. How do we know he wanted to be a slave? So there's a report in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Riyadh Salihin, number 1363. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah relates that abu beloved messenger said, lil Abdul Mamluk al Muslihi Ajran. The faithful and diligent slave will have a double reward. Abu Huraira thereupon added, الله, by him in whose hand the soul of Abu Huraira is, الله, but for jihad fi hajj and kindness to my mother, I would have loved to die as a slave. So this is a very very interesting report So let's look at it So it's recorded in Bukhari and Muslim What did Rasulullah say <laughs> The faithful and diligent slave Will have a double reward He's on double wage <laughs> So if you've got a Muslim And he's under the authority of a master He's a Muslim And he's faithful to the master Double wage The Prophet said it so Abu Halayla, he says, he goes, I swear by Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it wasn't for these three things, I would have loved to die as a slave. Because these three things are stopping it. One is jihad fee Because jihad, because I can't give jihad, jihad is something very dear to me. Secondly, hajj. <coughs> And thirdly, kindness to my Buddha. There he goes. La an abuta wa I would have loved, or I would have preferred to die as a slave. But now this very important point to finish. Muslih in the hadith. So what did the Prophet say? Lilla abdil muslihi ajran. Muslih translated here as faithful. Is that slave? who is a well-wisher of his master and a devout worshipper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because in another report Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu <laughs> narrated that the beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam said innal 'abda idha nasaha li sayyidi wa ahsana 'ibadata Allah falahu ajruhu marratayn verily when a slave is sincere to his master and worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala well he will have a double reward. This is in Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, we are the Salihin, number 1362. So it doesn't mean any slave. The slave has to have two qualities. And when I'm saying slave, don't get this image of a guy with kacha with chains. This is the problem, you know, we don't have any reference to this. It means somebody who's under the care of a Muslim. So maybe he's fallen as a prisoner of war and he's embraced Islam. So he's still a slave. But he eats what the master eats. He wears what the master wears. So when you say slave, it means that he's become part of the family. That's what it basically means. But he's he's serving. But if that slave, he has two qualities. He is faithful to his master, meaning he doesn't betray him. Why? Because what did the Prophet ﷺ say? The diligent slave, the faithful slave, and secondly, he's a devout worshipper. Where is it mentioned that? What did the Prophet ﷺ say? Yes. He, is, he worships Allah beautifully. Then he gets a double reward. It is important to point out here that when a person is a slave, he cannot take part in jihad on his own. Nor can he perform hajj nor can he serve his parents for he is bound by the will of his master mm-hmm. thus Sayyidina Abu Huraira was highlighting if it wasn't for the enormous rewards for these three gargantuan deeds he would have loved to have been a slave for he would be constantly entitled to two rewards so, so now think about that why have I mentioned this <coughs> he was made governor <laughs> So imagine he's thinking, oh no, no, right? I don't want to be... And you know, you get this impression that he thought, okay, I'll take it on. He wants to be a slave. And what does that tell you? He was just thinking about the hereafter. He wasn't thinking about position, worldly, glory, honor, this, that, the other. He just thought, I'm losing Ah, I've become a governor, single wage, and problems, which I know is coming. But he goes as a slave. Look how beautiful. So now what's interesting, if a slave does hajj, his hajj is not complete. There's actually a hadith in Dar al where the Prophet said, if a slave does hajj, he cannot perform the obligatory hajj. It's not accepted. Mm-hmm. Meaning he's restricted to the person he's under the authority over. So this is what this is what Abu Hurairah said, there's three deeds that are stopping me from being a slave. One is jihad. I can't do it if I'm a slave. Secondly, I can't do hajj. And thirdly, I can't serve my father, my mother because I'm, I'm I'm stuck with my master. I want to serve her. So note, his mindset was getting closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He, he was always thinking how to get closer, how to get more in terms of an investment. And what's so sad is, Muslims are now very clever in investing in the world. <laughs> you over know, brother, pyramid, Yeah, you'll become Pharaoh, mashallah. (laughs) Dus Abu Huraira, like I said, was now back in the beloved city he loved so very much. And he could thus once now again focus his energy into his greatest love, namely teaching the sacred Ahadith to all those eager and most fortunate students who had now begun to flock around him. So think about it. He's now back in al Madina. Umar's left him. He goes, okay. So, what is he left to do? He's thinking, SubhanAllah. He goes, I can just share the knowledge that Allah has blessed me with. And where was he sharing this knowledge? Masjid al Nabi. <laughs> <laughs> After Sayyidina Umar was long and magnificent reign of over 10 years, Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan was then ushered into the high post. Abu Huraira was now. 45 years of age. Mm -hmm. So, we're going through where his blessed name is mentioned in the time of the Khilaf al Rashidin. He's now back in Al Madina. He's now going on jihad and he's teaching, which is his greatest love in Masjid al Nabi. Now comes the turn of Uthman. How old is Abu Huraira? He is 45. He's now got to middle age finally. So, when Uthman becomes the Khalif, he's around 70 plus. Abu Huraira is 45 years of age. So all I mentioned today was where the great name of Sayyidina Abu Huraira is mentioned during the Khalifa of Sayyidina Umar. And he did his stint as governor of Bahrain. The people of Bahrain had great love and affection for him. But he didn't want the post. He was glad to be back in the holy city of the Prophet Islam, And I also uh, mentioned that when Umar was the Allah, Abu Huraira would give a little reminder to the people before the khutbah of Jummah. This is a sahih Hadith in Hakim, in his mustadrak sayi, Zahabi sahih. And then when Umar would enter, he'd sit down. So notice he was always there in Masjid an nabi always, you know, helping, sharing. And of course, there's nobody more generous than the one who shares sacred knowledge. Which is mentioned in the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Are there any questions? wa wa